Well, today is the Sunday the church calls Epiphany Sunday. Uh, if we were uh, a little more liturgical, we would come to church on Wednesday for the Feast of the Epiphany, which happens to be 12 days after Christmas. That's the 12 days of Christmas from Christmas until January 6th. But we're not that liturgical and fancy, so we're here on Sunday, and we're going to talk about the wise men today. The Feast of Epiphany kind of kicks off this season of the year in between Christmas and Lent called Epiphany. It's a word that means appearing, and during this time, the scriptures, the texts, the songs, the readings, all focus on the appearing of God into the world of Christ, the light of Christ, as we read earlier, shining in the east, directing Gentiles to Bethlehem. Now, I was surprised to see this little tyke uh, playset, nativity playset that we uh, have been looking at over the Advent season. Uh, if you notice, if you've come close, you'll see camels and donkeys and sheep and wise men, but no shepherds. There are wise men at the little tykes nativity scene, but no shepherds. Now, if you remember from our children's Christmas pageant, almost well over a month ago, I guess, Melissa Webb's character was a little allergic to the idea of wise men and women appearing at the Bethlehem manger. As she said, it made her sneeze. So if you hear some allergies in the back, that's what's going on, I guess. We often mess with the details of this wise men's story. But this morning, Matthew tells us that these three wise visitors, they're no longer at the stable when they visit, and it's no longer Christmas Eve. We're in a house, and some time has passed since that birth. But even when we get the details of Matthew's story correct, it still makes us sneeze. What a strange story. Wise men from the East, which Matthew's readers would immediately understand are Gentiles. Gentiles visiting the promised newborn king of Jews. Why are they, of all people, looking for this newborn king in the first place? And how did they find out about this birth? But in the least Jewish way possible, by studying the stars, astrology, a practice forbidden in Jewish law. It's very strange, so strange that some have suggested that Matthew must have imagined this story, just made it up, creating this tale to add more pageantry to the story of Jesus coming into the world. So if you're not sneezing at this story, perhaps you should be. After all, King Herod certainly was. Matthew tells us that when this tyrannical king meets these wise men, hears of their journey, he is terrified. And not just him, but all Jerusalem with him. The arrival of wise men set off alarms from the start. Now, the preacher Thomas Long tells a story of a church that he knows which has an annual live nativity pageant. You know these things where all the church dresses up and acts out the scene of Christ being born. As Long tells the story, one year the men who were playing the role of the Magi borrowed a thurbel. Anyone know what a thurbel is from your uh, Catholic days? It's the, the thing that the priests use for the incense that you shake. Okay, So they borrowed a thurbel, an incense burning censer from the Catholic parish in town. And the idea was, as they tracked across the church lawn towards the manger, these mysterious magi from the east would surround themselves with fog of incense to add to the exotic quality of their appearance. 
So the wise men gathered together in the fellowship hall, got on their costumes, got the thurble, and waited for the cue. Just before the moment arrived, they lit the incense and got it burning properly. But unbeknown to them, the main, the, they managed to trigger the church's fire alarm, which sent an automatic signal to the local fire department. As they walked toward the manger, each bearing a gift for the newborn Jesus, they were astonished to see yellow slickered firemen unrolling fire hoses across the church lawn and mingling into this scene of confusion with shepherds, angels, and goats. Ultimately, the fire chief spotted the burning incense pot, put two and two together, and announced in a loud voice heard by all you bleepity bleep wise men are setting off alarms all over town. Now, Thomas Long surmises that somewhere in the great beyond, the original magi smiled in approval, remembering that they, too, had set off alarms all over town. And maybe we should follow the reading of the story with alarms and sneezing. I know we got bells back there somewhere, but we need some sort of alarm this morning, some surprise. But the most shocking thing of all, at least for me, is that these wise men, whomever they were and wherever they were from, were seeking out Jesus. There is no good reason why people like them would show up to see Jesus. Now, pretty much every study produced these days about church attendance and our culture suggests that people aren't seeking out Jesus anymore, or at least if they are, they're not doing it in places like these. You may remember we formed a church vision team this past year, and over the last few months of 2014, we looked at some of these studies, reading all the reasons why people aren't showing up at church Every time I log into Facebook, at least on my feed, it's filled with stories of, of why visitors don't stay at your church and what the church should do to stop itself from, I guess, becoming irrelevant in the world today. Why aren't people coming to church like they used to? That's the question. And some say, well, it's because of the music. And others say, well, we need more stuff for young people. Some say visitors don't stick around because we make them stand up. And some say, well, we just don't pay enough attention to visitors anymore. Many studies suggest that church is just too boring, too fake, too focused on money, too irrelevant to the real problems of life. Most of the studies say that those who've given up church do so not so much because of us, the local church, but because of faith in general, Christianity is too judgmental. Christians read the Bible too literally. Their faith is too mixed with politics. Their faith doesn't leave room for science. The book our vision team has been reading together, Real Good Church, suggests that Sunday morning church is simply losing out to Sunday brunch, football, and the chance to sleep in on a day off. Maybe on to something. With little effort... I bet we all could sit down in a moment of silence and create our long list of reasons why all the people we know, good reasons, why they don't come to church anymore, searching for Jesus. And you know, we could do the same with Matthew this morning. I'm sure he's got a long list. All the reasons why wise men like these would never follow a star seeking out the newborn baby king. Who could imagine such a thing? It is alarming. And I think that's Matthew's point. 
Nothing about this story, nothing about this birth is normal. Matthew tells us this story real or imagined. It doesn't matter. Wise men from the east, the least likely Christ seekers in the world, scaring the heck out of Herod as they show up in Jerusalem searching for Jesus. He means for us to be alarmed by this story. Now it's the new year, a time for making resolutions. So I'm going to make one this morning. I'm not reading church studies anymore. I'm done. You can have my books off my shelf if you want them. I'm done contemplating all the reasons why people don't go to church anymore. No more focusing on the decline of the mainline church, what our churches should or should not be doing as we make judgments about all those who are not here. Instead, I resolve this morning to follow Matthew's lead and to have a little imagination. Regardless of trends and demographics, cultural shifts and popular perception, can I, can we imagine people, unlikely people, flocking from the least imaginable places seeking out Jesus? Can we imagine it? Maybe the only real problem the church faces today is that we're so fixated on problems and our past, we've given up on our imagination. These gospel stories that we read, especially this time of year, beckon us to imagine what it would look like in the here and now, in our world, what it would look like for Jesus to be born again. Who today is flocking to see this newborn king? Whose nights are interrupted by angels and shining stars? whose lives are forever changed by Christ as they go home on another way? Can we imagine people looking for hope in the midst of a very pessimistic, depressed world, too stressed for hope? Can we imagine people seeking generosity in spite of a 24-7 news cycle that that pushes greed and fear of the other? Can we imagine people seeing you, your light, shining bright in your workplace, in school, about town, inquiring about the joy you carry within? Can we imagine Jesus drawing people still from east and west, north and south, all the unlikely corners of our world, in spite of all the barriers in our culture and our church? Can you imagine our church setting off alarms all over town? because of what Jesus is doing in our midst and who Jesus is calling to worship the newborn king. It doesn't take a lot of planning and strategy, just an imagination. An imagination that asks if Jesus is born and alive in our world today, then what could be possible? We remember what the angel said not long ago to Mary after delivering that impossible news of Christ's birth, with God, what? All things are possible. Amen. Let us sing of these three kings. We three kings, whatever number is listed in your program.